Welcome to the No Meh Movies Podcast. How many times have you heard a movie is alright? It's average. It's just okay. If you ask your friends if you should see it and they say, meh, I'm Davey Barris and he's Darren Cross. And on this show, we'll break down and review these movies and decide once and for all if these meh movies are good or bad. And whether or not you should watch them. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. Now, for a movie to qualify as meh, it must be between 40 and 60 on the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes or 4 and 6 on IMDb. And the movie we chose this week in honor of Bad Boys for Life coming out this weekend, we went back to 1995 to do the original Bad Boys which scores a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.9 on IMDb. That's right, Darren. I don't know about you, but everybody that I've told that Bad Boys is a meh movie, they're like, get out of here. No way. Not Bad Boys. It is indeed a meh movie, according to our scale and the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it was massively commercially successful. Yes. So, yeah. And the sequel was even... The sequel was even was rated even lower on Rotten Tomatoes and was even more commercially successful. Yeah. So we will get into all that detail. But, Darren, before we do, spoiler warning, of course. Spoiler warning for Bad Boys and anything else in the Bad Boys franchise. Darren, give us a quick synopsis in case it's been a while since they've seen it or they've never seen it before. So Bad Boys is about Detective Sergeant Marcus Burnett, who's played by Martin Lawrence, and Detective Sergeant Michael, or Mike Lowry, who's played by Will Smith. And the plot is that the police precinct that they work in gets broken into overnight, and there's a tremendous amount of heroin in their evidence room from a bus that they had, and somebody comes in and steals it all. And so now they're trying to find these guys, figure out what they're planning to do with it, get the heroin back, figure out how they got in. Uh, so the story is it's about that. Now, Darren, the question we ask of all our meh movies, and it's a fun question this week because we're doing the directorial debut of Michael Bay. Darren, were you entertained? Yeah, I would say I was entertained. There was there was a lot of action in this movie, a lot happening, a lot of explosions, shooting, a lot going on. Yelling. Yelling. Pointing. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I, I was entertained. There was a lot to look at, a lot to watch. The story was so-so, um, but there was enough happening from scene to scene. And it, the comedy, I thought, was was good enough that um, it kept me entertained throughout. And I never felt bored watching the movie, I would say. I will agree. There, I don't think there's a way to feel bored during this movie. It's a highly entertaining movie, mm-hmm. and... Like you said, the action scenes. We'll get we'll get into the ridiculousness of some of the action scenes and the action set pieces, and we know it now in 2020 as you know Michael Bay ish type movie. But back then, it probably felt pretty fresh and yeah. pretty exciting, yeah, and uh, thrilling to watch this movie. So yeah, I would say uh, I was entertained, definitely entertained. Now, Darren. The second question we ask of all our meh movies to find out what happened is, did the movie do what it was supposed to do? 
What do you got for me in this category? How do you feel about it? I also said that, yes, this movie did what it was supposed to do. In the end, this was an action movie. And it'll we'll talk about it more later. But I, I think a lot of it comes down to when, when you watch this movie, it is like a lot of action movies out there. It's like what your expectations are going in. But in my expectation was just a full-fledged action movie that had some comic relief to it because of our main actors and that's pretty much what I got so I wasn't you know I wasn't looking for super in-depth plot or storyline or really you know layered characters you know I I knew kind of I mean I did see this once upon a time but it's been years since I've watched it so I think based on my expectations of this movie it it did do what it was supposed to do so there's another key detail of the description in this movie. It's a buddy cop action. Right. Action comedy. And the buddy cop thing is, I mean, it makes or breaks the movie. We got into this last week with Hot Pursuit, where that relationship between the two of them makes or breaks this breaks the movie. And here, if the chemistry doesn't work between Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, and this movie doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you in a spoiler warning on my successes and failures. I'm calling the chemistry between Martin Lawrence and Will Smith big success. Like those two, any scene that they were on screen together was a better scene. Yeah. Yeah, this movie does I mean it literally takes action comedy to I I feel like they're like we want to make a movie that defines action comedy. Now, some people, you'll see as we get into the Rotten Tomatoes reviews, some people might say that these things are cliches or something like that. I mean, it's hard to do an action comedy and not pull a little bit from your predecessors. I mean, these cop stories kind of follow the same beats, mm-hmm. right? Oh, good pun. <laughs> Was it? You know, like cops are on the beat. Ah, I get it. (laughs) That's what I meant to say. Anyways, I think if you're doing one of these movies, you got to say, can I hit those plot? You know, I'm going to hit those plot points. It's going to happen. Like, cop stories are cop stories. There's not so many ways to tell them, but am I going to make it fresh and exciting and feel revitalized? Then, you know, then I did what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I give the movie credit there. Nice. All right, Darren, how about our actors? I just mentioned the chemistry. We've got a a fairly fun, interesting cast and uh, some people popping up that you may recognize later in life. Uh, We got Martin Lawrence as Detective Marcus Bernard. Will Smith as Mike Lowry. Tia Leone as Julie. Oh, my God. We get into him again from our uh, wing commander. Yeah. Cheke Caro as Was I thought it was Bush Fouchet. It says here Fouchet. That doesn't sound I, right. I never quite caught it that, that well. It was hard to hear. I don't know. We'll just say the bad guy. <laughs> Teresa Randall as Theresa Burnett, uh, Martin Lawrence's wife. Joey Pantaleone as Captain Conrad Howard. The thing I remembered like most about this movie is him is him as the captain. <laughs> like in the recesses of Constantly my mind. Constantly smoking him a cigar. <laughs> yelling at the two of them. Yeah. And uh, a, a a great cast. You may recognize Michael Imperioli as JoJo, the tire guy. You might recognize basketball player John Sally as Fletcher, the uh, like the criminal hacking into the computer system for them. 
Anyways, there's some there's some fun cameos from the '90s in here, and a pretty strong cast. Darren, who is your top performer? First off, I just want to say that I forgot in her prime, Tia Leone, absolutely beautiful. Put her up against any other like Hollywood actress in their prime, like she's beautiful. Yeah, I'm just, I just wanted to say that. Make sure everyone knows. <laughs> 1995, Tia Leone, beautiful. Um, but the the, uh, the person I went with is Martin Lawrence for this. It was very Martin Lawrence-y, yeah. but I like Martin Lawrence. And so, I, you know, I, would you say that he, he maybe stretched himself? No, but he gave me exactly what I wanted. You know, that is what I was going in expecting. And it's very, very entertaining. And I like, and I, and I don't need him to like, you know, be like some great dramatic actor and like really like pull the motions not for a movie like this right and so i thought that he did exactly what he should do and what people know of him of doing and uh i found it very entertaining so see this is interesting i i think i remember from an older episode that you were a fan of the tv show martin back in the 90s right yeah i mean i wouldn't say i was like a you know not like a super fan but i enjoyed it yeah okay See, I was a bigger fan of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, they're both great. And I'm going with my top performer is Will Smith. And <laughs> okay. I mean, come on. You knew going into this movie, I mean, the movie is basically 90% them. It's the yeah. same thing we said last week. Right. It's one or the other. Right. I will say that, and and maybe it's more obvious in 2020 than it was in 1995, but like, yes, Martin's shtick was a lot of like sexual humor and things like that. Yeah. And, and that was. was just kind of how he was. But I mean, it's... It is funny. I mean, whether you know it's politically correct in this day and age is a the different, movie does a different get a little story. inappropriate. Yeah, and we will get into some of that yeah. because I, the people behind the scenes have just as much responsibility, I think, for that. True. as the people in front of the camera. True. So yeah, yeah I went Martin Lawrence. So. Will Smith. I mean, you could clearly see the makings of the action star that he was going to be. And he follows this movie up with doing Independence Day and Men in Black, and yeah. it's just off to the races for his career. Yeah. And I'm going to spin this into uh, my first thing in successes and failures. And I think it's the big topic that I noticed going back watching this movie in 2020, and that's Martin Lawrence gets top billing and over Will Smith. And this definitely felt like a vehicle – for Martin Lawrence's comedy. I know that's not how the movie was intended when it was first created. Yeah. I'm going to spoil some trivia for you here. Do you know who the first two actors who they created this movie for were? I do not. It was Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. <laughs> that would have been a way different movie. And it was going to be called Bulletproof Hearts. Yeah. And it was going to play on their comedy. As a weird duo. Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. I think it was going to be set in New York. So, I mean, clearly, if you're telling me that the first two actors in your mind were John Lovitz and Dana Carvey, you can't say this movie was written for Martin Lawrence's comedy, but the way Michael Bay let them improvise and riff, and I, another piece of trivia, they hated the script. <laughs> they hated it. They improvised a lot throughout this movie. And, yeah, that's what it felt like. I think that's why he gets top billing. And I I think it's clear watching this movie that Will Smith 
just is on a better trajectory to become a huge movie star. Like, Martin Lawrence had a great career after this. He goes on to do Life. He goes on to do the Big Mama, Big Mama's House franchise. He does Blue Streak, the one, another cop movie where he pretends to be a cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one where he went back to the medieval times or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, Martin Lawrence goes on to have a really successful movie career. But if you look at his, none of those are rated fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. None of them. He has got no movies rated fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. He kind of stayed more like in like the slapstick comedy realm, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Whereas Will Smith, it's arguably of the last of this century, the top top three leading men of this century. Yeah, I mean, Did you say, or at least top five. Yeah. He's on the Mount Rushmore of leading men for yeah. this century yeah. so far. Yeah. And I put that down as actually a fail for me. Okay. Like, it, it's a little too much Martin Lawrence for me. Not enough, think, not enough Will Smith. But that's what I'm saying. The <laughs> scenes where they're together, though. The scenes where they're together are a success. They work. They're really funny. The scenes where it was like just Martin Lawrence freaking out and panicking. <laughs> like, the chemistry with Tia Leone. Uh-huh. It's just... It didn't feel like it was there. I, I mean, it wasn't supposed to. That was the humor they were going for, but... Right. Yeah, just a little too much Martin Lawrence for me. All right, that's fair. Yeah. I can't believe... I don't know what the movie would have looked like with John Lovitz and Dana Carvey because part of what's fun about this movie is the two the two of them have so much swagger, and that like makes them cool right like yeah. it's it's like oh these guys are like i mean as much as they kind of screw up a little bit here and there and are goofy especially martin lawrence they still have like swagger yes and if you, if you put dana carvey and john lovitz in there zero swagger it's it's a total screwball comedy yeah. i yeah. mean yeah it's a they should do it now they should get dana carvey and john lovitz <laughs> yeah. and do it now It'd be hysterical it probably would be really good actually i'll tell you ready for this so before they got will smith they were going to go with Arsenio Hall mm. to be Mike Lowry. Then in an, another round of casting, they were originally intending it to be Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. Hmm. Interesting. So the producers, Don Simpson and Jerry Brockheimer, who were like partners in producing together, mm-hmm. did Beverly Hills Cop. So they'd worked with Eddie Murphy before. Yeah. So there, there is a line. Martin, uh, Martin Lawrence says something in the beginning, like why makes a Wesley Snipes reference. Does like, he? Why does he make a Wesley? And I'm, I'm guessing it's because Wesley Snipes turned the movie down or didn't end yeah, up doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was it a Passenger Fifty Seven thing or something like that? It was the opening scene, the very yeah. beginning. Yeah, yeah. Which another piece of trivia was filmed weeks after the production wrapped. Oh, because really? the producers felt like they needed something to get you to know the characters, like to introduce the characters. So that whole scene where they get like carjacked. I think he does reference Passenger Fifty Seven because yeah. that's a hijacking movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was your first failure. That's my first. Fa- I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm even gonna say whether it was a success or a failure. I'm just gonna say that's my first thing I noticed about this movie. Like, it, too a little. T- the scenes that were too much Martin Lawrence were a fail for me. The scenes where they were together, success. All right, cool. I'll start with a success and i'll just put it on the action period all the action <laughs> all, you're giving it all the success wow <laughs> overall Broad stroke. The overall okay the overall action of the movie i gave a success to 
individual things you could certainly pick at, and I'm sure we will, but overall, that's what I feel like you signed up for if you sat down to watch this movie. Is like this is this is what you're getting. Like this this is just how it is. And so I was happy with this action. <laughs> overall. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pick out one of the specific scenes. I did give a success to the final shootout. So in the, in the airplane, in the hangar. airplane hangar, the whole climax of the movie, I'm giving success to. And there's some there's some crazy things about the production that went down. Like they they this was actually on a really tight budget, really small budget, and uh, I think I read it was like 19. They hadn't had a hit in a while. Don Simpson and Jerry Brockheimer were kind of reeling in the early 90s from a couple of flops. So they did not have a lot to work with here. And I think Michael Bay actually like gave up some of his salary to get a few more days of filming to film some act. I'm guessing the finale of the movie Mm -hmm. and make it as ridiculous as it is. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's insanely ridiculous. And it is Michael Bay going full Michael Bay. Yeah. So much ether everywhere. Okay. (laughs) That's a nitpick. But why was there still barrels of ether at the end of the movie? They just had so much ether they didn't come out of their ears. Didn't know what to do with it. They used the ether to cut the drugs. Okay. (laughs) That's why they're getting a delivery of it. Why did they need it in the hangar? (laughs) Was it like surplus? I want the drugs and any surplus supplies, including these 50 barrels of ether. (laughs) I paid for all of this. I want all of it. Right? I mean- economical criminal (laughs) the way they bust into the scene in the dump truck and the timing of the explosions like every villain we know throughout the movie kind of gets their comeuppance yeah i will say a counter to my success a fail of this scene is that you don't really know where the hell anybody is Mm -hmm. and it's you gave the action as a whole a success i'm gonna say underneath that in most of these action scenes you don't know where the hell anybody is (laughs) And it's just a free for all. It became a problem. It was fun in, I feel like it's fun in the bad boys movies, but it becomes a problem in Michael Bay's career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's cut so fast. It's cut so quickly. And you don't have a frame of reference for where they're shooting, who they're shooting at, where explosions are coming from. Yeah. It's a little chaotic. Yeah. But it works in this movie. God, <laughs> it I'll go on with another fail. And, this is kind of a collection of nitpicks. So I guess the overall fail is obvious holes in the story and things you're like, well, why didn't they just do that? Why didn't, how come she didn't just do this? How come that? And, and I, every single movie you could do this, like, right? So there, there is some liberties that are going to be taken. And they're like, well, yeah, maybe in the real world that would happen. But in our movie, they're not going to do that. You know, those sorts of things. And you kind of just accept them. But there was a lot in this movie. And so that's what... I eventually put it as a fail. And so like two quick ones. One is like, why can't they just tell the girl the truth about who's who? <laughs> right? That's so, kind of a nitpick, but it's a big part of the movie. So. No, I had it done as a fail as well. Uh, let's get into this. Uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to your second one in a second. But yeah, it, there were so many times throughout the movie where they had a moment to explain it. Right. And what was she going to do? Freak out and be like, no, I'm not going to be a witness anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I mean, when he first burst into the apartment, he gave him like, "I'm his partner." I mean, even if, all right, let's skip that one. <laughs> the lies already happened. Yeah, like when she sees the photos uh, of Will Smith in the apartment, 
Right. Uh, when when Will Smith first comes over and is introduced, when his wife shows up. <laughs> yeah, they still try to hold it when still. the wife shows up. <laughs> There's so many times. Yeah, it was just like, uh, all right, just <laughs> just tell her. Just please tell her. <laughs> I, I would say the plot of this movie is more about tricking Julie into who Mike Lowry is than it is about actually recovering the drugs. <laughs> they spend more time on that B story than they do on the A story. Yeah, that's a lot of time, yeah. All right, and your second My one. My second big one that I had was when the bad guys finally do get a hold of Julie, why don't they just immediately kill her? They They have no reason to hold her as a hostage. They have her. They have the drugs. Just imme- immediately shoot her in the face. <laughs> I mean, they clearly have no problem killing people because they kill people earlier in the movie. Yeah, they kill people throughout the entire movie. Right. Yeah, it didn't really make any sense. Yeah, I, just I immediately guess shoot her. <laughs> in the movie, in the movie logic, they were like, "We'll keep her as a hostage to keep the cops away because they know there's an innocent oh, person. Like the, they won't just drop a nuke on this." Uh, Airplane hangar because there's yeah, a yeah <laughs> because there's an innocent person in here a yeah. civilian all right maybe I, yeah. I mean maybe but yeah the whole reason she's part of the story is because she could identify him right and if she's dead she can't identify him <laughs> right right so you're right yeah yeah so yeah so those are two examples of just overall like so like you know there's a lot of movies you take a little bit of like creative liberties or just be like well in our world things don't work this way or whatever but like it got to be a lot and you're sort of just like okay. <laughs> they seemed like the smartest criminals at first and now they seem like the dumbest criminals <laughs> alright my next fail uh, sometimes I like to just call out whole scenes that just didn't work didn't need to be there the convenience store scene I kind of felt like they were padding the runtime. Yeah. like suddenly she needs shampoo when did she ever say she needed shampoo yeah and they go to a liquor store that also sells shampoo it was a weird standoff. With the owner? Yeah. And, I mean, we get one of the classic l- improvised lines of the movie, which is, now back up, put the gun down, and get me a pack of Tropical Fruit Bubblicious <laughs> and some Skittles. <laughs> Funny, it made it made us laugh when we were watching it. Yeah. But that whole scene doesn't – I mean, maybe it shows that Marcus and Mike are fraying a little bit in their relationship, but th- we already know that. We already see it. Yeah, and but it is also hard to sometimes tell, like, when they're doing their little ploy and when they're actually arguing with each other because they do – you know, that's, like, their thing is they pretend to argue to distract whoever they're trying to take advantage of. The cl- yeah, classic move. Yeah. Yeah, we've gotten out of many situations together doing that, haven't we? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> It's another podcast for another day. There were a couple things in this movie that felt like they were padding the runtime a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, that was that was the most grievous of them. Yeah, that's fair. I'll do success. Again, overall I gave a success to the the comedy. There were several times throughout the movie that I laughed out loud. And again, it probably just comes down to the fact that I like Martin Lawrence. And like you said earlier, the two of them work well together. And and not only in general, but also like comedically, they work pretty well together. So, um, so yeah, the overall, the comedy I gave us a, a success too because I found it entertaining. All right, how did you feel about the chemistry with Tia Leone? 
between like both of them? All three of them. All three of them? Yeah. What do you think? Because her character's character's pretty strange. Yeah. She's got some serious feelings about baloney. (laughs) She's like very... um, Hipster. Hip, kind of like a, I don't want to say hippie either. She's she's very concerned about like welfare. This is what hipsters were in the nineties. Everybody, <laughs> like you know what hipsters are today. I, I feel like this is kind of indie hipsters in the nineties, right? Yeah, she like didn't... unemployed photographer who <laughs> hairs for two small dogs and like a vegan. Yeah, only uses natural products, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So leading up to the creation of her character, like how we're introduced to her is, is strange. And so you kind of get, it's hard to understand where she like actually is or where she's coming from because we get introduced to her because she's friends with Max Logan and Mike is hoping detective Mike is hoping that Max is going to be able to get information because apparently Max is, a. um, not necessarily a not a prostitute, but like a escort. Yeah. So she has worked previously as a high end escort. Right. 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 And so, for whatever reason, Julie, who I don't think is an escort, no, decides to she is not. <laughs> to tag along with Max, or Max asks her to tag along because she says it's a party they're going to. But right. It's not. Right. So that that's kind of a weird thing to do to your friend to start. <laughs> I had that. That was gonna be my first quick pick. Is nitpick is that? Yeah. How do you not? First off, how do you not know your roommate is an escort? Right. And then, yeah. How do you tag her along like that? <laughs> so, so that's what I mean. So, like, when we're introduced to Julie, it's like, so is she? Is she? In, does she want to be an escort? Was no, she just she, being a good friend? She clearly is not comfortable <laughs> being there. She's like two minutes, and Max is like five minutes. Right. Right. Yeah. And then she dresses very provocatively the rest of the movie. Like, are those her clothes or the clothes she found in Mike's apartment? <laughs> Actually, now that you make me think of it, they're probably clothes that other women have left behind in Mike's apartment. <laughs> yeah, I I don't feel like... I, I know she... Karen Alexander, who played Max, is an American model and actress and was probably more known for her modeling career. And Tia Leone is probably known more as an actress in the 90s. Yeah. I think this movie would have worked better if Max was the one who lived and Julie was the one who got killed. Yeah, Max, maybe. Max had way more chemistry with them. Like, it doesn't work because Max knows which one Mike Lowry is, which I think that storyline is stupid anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think this movie works better with Max. Yeah. And you know what? I'm proven right in the sequel in Bad Boys 2 – because uh, they bring in Marcus has a sister, played by Gabrielle Union, and it's a much more compelling character. And her chemistry with the two of them is much better because she plays like a she plays a special agent, but she plays someone who like can handle herself in situations. Whereas Tia Leone is the damsel in distress the whole time. Yeah, but she doesn't jive with their comedy at all. Yeah. She kind of feels like a a bit of like eye candy more than anything else because she like as like as I was said she's very attractive but like it seems like that's really what she's there to be is just sort of like somebody to who's look. the most attractive girl in the nineties who was available to film during <laughs> right. these weeks yeah yeah and they try to throw in and this is another fail they had since we're talking about her they try to throw in some 
like oh she's like seriously like psychologically damaged from what she saw but like only here and there like sometimes she's like totally great and like everything's okay and then sometimes it's like she's like you're like is she gonna kill herself what's gonna happen yeah so so it got a little i don't i mean and you know i'm no psychologist so maybe, maybe that's normal i don't know they're like couldn't decide like so is seeing her friend killed is that really messed her up or is it not really messed her up so i don't know it bounced around what else you got that's i think that's all i got in successes and failures i mean the movie's pretty straightforward you either buy into the chemistry between these two and their improvised comedy and or you buy into the action yeah or you're not buying into this movie yeah yeah all right good let's wrap up the podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not so fast we gotta find out what those rotten tomatoes critics said we gotta find out how this movie ended up as a 42 percent on rotten tomatoes you feeling like starting with the fresh reviews this week feeling rotten let's start with rotten because i know we or no we started with rotten last week because there were so many <laughs> let's start with fresh all right, we're going to start with the fresh reviews this week. Karen James of New York Times says, This film isn't aiming for high-tone drama, just high-energy entertainment, which is what it delivers. There you go. There you go. Karen, uh, straightforward. Do you think Michael Bay movies and like John Woo movies, like these, these ridiculous movies from the 90s, get a lot of flack sometimes? Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a place in cinema for these ridiculous action movies? Yes. Our good friend Zach can attest to it. There's lots of people out there like Zach. (laughs) He's like, you know what? I just need to sit down and watch a pure high adrenaline action movie. A Stallone movie? A Jason Statham movie? Absolutely. Maybe a... What was the... (laughs) Death Race? (laughs) Yeah. I need to sit down and watch Death Race. Yeah. I agree. I mean, what else would be on the shelves of college students <laughs> if it weren't for movies like Bad Boys? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's like anything else that, like, sometimes you want something that's thought-provoking and you want to analyze things and make you think about stuff, and sometimes you just kind of want to turn your brain off a little bit and just, like, be entertained. Luke Y. Thompson from the New York Times says, The movie that unleashed Michael Bay upon the world, for better and worse, mostly better in this case. (laughs) Are you glad that Michael Bay has been unleashed on this world? Let's talk a little Bay. I think that's kind of the same. It's similar to what we were just talking about, right? I mean, is there a place for these kinds of directors and these kinds of movies? Do, All right, well, do you need a Michael Bay? <laughs> there's a place, but Michael Bay's gone too far. <laughs> he has. I'm sorry. Let's let's take a look a little bit. Like, so he comes out of the gate with Bad Boys, The Rock, and Armageddon. Okay, that's pretty strong. That's the good Michael Bay. Yes, they're excessive. Yes. They're definitely womanizing. He has a problem. Oh yeah, I he mean, has a big problem. It's be, it's because it's it's easy, right? So like that part of it is not his forte, right? So he's like, all right, I, but I, this these kinds of things need to be there. Needs to be some sort of humor or sexual 
icon in this movie that people are going after. That's not my forte. <laughs> so I'm going to concentrate on the action. Then I'll throw that in. And so he kind of goes like, whatever's easy. <laughs> then I think we get Pearl Harbor, which is might be the most bloated movie of all time. And I think it's where he starts to go over the edge because the visuals in Pearl Harbor are incredible. I can tell you, if you like just watch the attack on Pearl Harbor scenes, that right there is enough for me. Is that a mute? <laughs> no, no. That, I just don't need to see the two hours that lead up to it. The hour after is fun only because Alec Baldwin gives a pretty good performance. Yeah. But visually, but it's you could see where, and then we get we hit Transformers, and that's where we we go off the deep end. Like <laughs> what he did with the Transformers franchise is just he piled on as many ridiculous visuals as possible, and completely forgot about story. Completely gave up on story. And I know Transformers fans out there are like hold the animated movie from the eighties like sacred. Yeah. And Transformers had some pretty good storytelling, and he just, he was like, I am going to slam CGI robots against each other <laughs> and make as many explosions as I can. And soldiers and American flags and Megan Fox, and yeah. when she doesn't want to do it anymore, we'll find another young actress, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that he is, is known for just being over the top completely. Yeah, I am. I glad Michael Bay's been unleashed on the world. <laughs> I, we got some great stuff in the '90s, so hey, there's that. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Maybe one day Michael Bay will just do like a quiet period piece, <laughs> like a like a could, British drama. I can only hope. <laughs> and just just calm down. What if it's like? sold that way and then like the, for the first 45 minutes it's like that but all of a sudden then it just turns into a full-on Michael Bay and none he, of the, none he of the, couldn't contain himself he just couldn't resist none of the trailers even show it to people that show up to them <laughs> all right how about some rotten reviews all right there are plenty of those okay so this is a theme that's going to come up in a couple of these Tom Charity from Time Out says, Unfortunately, the movie is a couple of rewrites short of developed, and the thriller configurations are stale. We also have Michael Wilmington from Chicago Tribune. Haven't we seen this all before four or five dozen times? So we've got a couple of reviews here that seem to say that this is all cliche. This has all been done before. We've seen it before. How do you feel about that? I kind of talked about it a little bit. How do you feel about this movie being buddy cop movies? Buddy cop. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's a cliche, but every the buddy cop genre is just doing itself over and over again. Yeah. But the point is to find two actors with chemistry and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that directors or writers shouldn't do this style because it's been done too much. I just think. Just have to make sure that I think the there's more of a magnifying glass. The more it's done, it's like the next one people are going to criticize even more closely, and then the next one after that it's going to get criticized even more closely, and so on and so forth. So I think you have to be attentive to detail if you're going to keep doing something that we've seen a lot of success with previously, because it's you know when you when you get something like 
a lethal weapon, which was very successful, you know, kind of had the right mix of action and comedy and depth from a story standpoint. Those are like the standards you're going to be held to. And so you just have to expect that if you're going to put this kind of movie together. I will say, I mean, even looking at the poster, are Will Smith and Martin Lawrence the coolest (laughs) two actors to ever do a buddy cop movie? As long as Martin Lawrence doesn't talk. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The poster, yeah. He knows how to turn on the the intensity when he needs to. Yeah. There's still always a bit of levity behind it, though. (laughs) Just kind of just waiting for for some joke to come out. I mean, the style, the driving the Porsche. They do bring something to this that's never been, I don't think it's been brought before. I mean... Yeah, I think that's part of the part of its success. To be honest, is that yeah. it, they just were cool and like had that kind of like kind of like when we were talking about with um, Ocean's Eleven that like some people when you put them together, it's just like you're like, damn, they're cool. <laughs> yeah. So I will say this is not a cliche version of it. If like one had been an old cop and a young cop, you could call it Lethal Weapon or something like that. Yeah. Or if there was like big like cultural differences between the two partners or something like that. Yeah. But no, I I think it's pretty actually pretty unique what they did. Two young African American actors at the height of their comedic powers stepping into an action movie. I mean it, it is kind of unique. Yeah. Yeah. And I and like I said, I think that it really is part of their success is that they kind of come across as badasses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, I can tell you that the rest of the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers are either saying that this has been all been done before or they're making fun of Michael Bay. So I, I think we've pretty <laughs> much covered what the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers have to say on this one. Uh, it seems like if you liked it, you liked it. If you didn't like it, it's very clear why. Okay. All right, now it's time for the next segment in our podcast. It's time to pitch a sequel. Now we all know that there's already a sequel, Bad Boys 2. There's a third movie coming out this weekend, Bad Boys for Life, the whole reason we're doing this. So it's it's going to be pretty hard for us to pitch a sequel. I mean, f- frankly, I got to be honest, I, Bad Boys 2 is a hell of a ride. It's not perfect. <laughs> no way I'm saying it's perfect. Like, we can do a, I'm sure one day we might get to do a whole podcast on it, but it it's out there. It exists already. Yep. yep. So the the only thing I can see pitching here is a prequel. Okay. Now, I think a key scene in this is night Will Smith is spending over at the Burnett house. Yeah. And they're like going through the photo album and they're laughing at his afro, Martin Lawrence's afro. And Will Smith says, I can't believe I forgot he wore his afro that big or something like that. So like these guys have known each other for a long time. There's history clearly before they get to the police department. Mm -hmm. But there's also this like weird backstory about him, Mike Mike Lowry being a trust fund baby and like having all this money seems to be rich. Yeah. There's something there. There's a story there. I I think now what Hollywood would do because they're doing it right now. And if you've seen Will Smith's latest movie, Gemini man, he de-ages himself to play a younger version of himself (laughs) against an, an older version of himself. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't see Hollywood recasting this. I don't think you cast two younger comedians, unfortunately, giving two people an opportunity. Right. I think you de-aged Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. (laughs) 
slap an afro on him <laughs> on Martin Lawrence because it's in the photo. Yeah. And find out, you know, how these two became friends, where the chemistry comes from, where the the arguing comes from, where the desire to be police officers. Yeah. yeah. I dig it. You throw in uh, his wife, uh, played by Teresa Randall. You throw her in, and maybe this is, you know, how he meets her and becomes a family man. You yeah. know? Yeah. Sure. And, and that swagger, the same swagger that he throws off the- so this that, would also be a comedy? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, definitely yeah. a comedy. Yeah. I, I don't know what the case is. May, you know, maybe they become, they're rookie cop. Maybe they're in the police academy for all I know. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> police Academy 15. <laughs> Bad Boys Starring crossover. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. <laughs> and a de-aged Steve Gutenberg. Throw them all in there. What's Steve Gutenberg doing these days? <laughs> I think he's still acting. <laughs> oh, cool. Good. Good for him. Is that, all, is that the that's, end, that's, end of your pitch? That's what I got. Yeah, okay. that's what I got. It's not a, as fully fleshed as some of the ideas we come up with, but it's the only thing I, I could see you doing. Some are uh, harder than others. And Hollywood would love to do that. De-age two actors and make money off of them. Two classic comedians. Yeah. 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 I went a bit darker. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Francine? Sure. Francine's like the... Secretary? Secretary? Office manager of the... Of the unit, yeah, something like she. She seems to be do a lot of the administrative work. Yes, and they find out in the movie that she was the leak to the criminals getting into their place. So what happened? We don't get much backstory about it. Is that she was apparently blackmailed? So something happened with her and one of these guys. And they took pictures of her or something, and they said they were going to put it up in her son's school. And so she was blackmailed into helping them get into this evidence room. So what I want to see is that whole story. Mm. She's, she's dealing with some seedy characters, clearly. So, I, well, you know, what's going on with her? What was she doing before all this went down? So I want to see kind of how maybe how that relationship developed. You know, maybe she used to be a criminal and then st- I, don't, I don't know I don't know there's a lot of directions you could take it but what clearly something terrible happened that she felt so well they said that they had photos of her right but doing what and they how they're gonna post them at her son's school right yeah but how did she even come to know these people they seem like pretty intense criminals what if she becomes the new drug kingpin <laughs> Didn't we already do this last week? Because so many have been taking it, yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like, if you've listened to these two episodes back to back, it does feel a little bit like Hot Pursuit is like the female trying to be the female bad boys. It's, yeah. it's a buddy cop kind of drug fueled <laughs> wild ride in Texas. Yeah. Not directed by Michael Bay. No. <laughs> All right. We've had stronger. Uh... Yeah, we've had stronger pitches. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I can tell you that Steve Gutenberg did a couple episodes of the Goldbergs. Ooh. As Dr. Catman. Nice. Yeah. All right, Darren. Moving on. Moving on <laughs> to our, our, big, our big segment at the end of the show. It's time for our quick picks. It's time for our nitpicks of the movie. It's time to... Pick out those last little details we liked. What do you got for me this week in Quick Picks? 
so I tend to kind of go chronological because I just, as the movie goes on, I, I find them. So my first one was, are all air vents on the roofs of buildings labeled as air vents? So you know, so the criminals know, this is how you sneak in. <laughs> <laughs> there was, it was like big white spray painted. Like somebody used a big stencil. <laughs> it just said, air vents. <laughs> Might as well just be like, criminals. This is how you sneak in the building. Well, Darren, I'll tell you that I researched the Miami-Dade County building codes. <laughs> oh. And, nah, I, and the answer <laughs> is yes. They must be clearly labeled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my first one is just as detailed as yours. Uh, my question was, does a 1990s Porsche have cup holders? So, is that going to be our lesson for the week? No, it is not going to be our lesson for the week. We have a different lesson for the week. Okay. Don't you worry. All right. But according to the internet, he was driving a 1993 Porsche 911 Turbo 3.6 Coupe. Okay. Now, I've done a lot of research on this. <laughs> I spent more time on this <laughs> than some of our actors' careers. <laughs> but All for this moment. <laughs> It looks like, based on photos I can find of the interior, there are definitely no cup holders in a 1993 Porsche 911 Turbo 3.6 Coupe. All right. Porsche eventually started adding cup holders. It looks like in the late 90s to 2000s, they start adding cup holders, but they were ashamed of them. Mm. And they were all hidden. Oh, yeah. And there's yeah. videos yeah. out there on the internet that explain to you where the cup holders are on your Porsche. And it's like something right above the glove box. It's like a little thing that flips down. It looks like it's just part of the dash, and it flips down and out pops two cup holders right. and stuff like that. So eventually the Porsche does get cup holders, but for a 93 Porsche 911 Turbo 3.6 Coupe, they are correct. No cup holders. Nice. I do sometimes think about like, oh, man, when I get a new car, I'm never going to eat in this car. I'm not going to let anybody eat in this car. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right. That'll <laughs> The next one I had was, that is about the most fun I've ever seen criminals have stealing stuff from a police place. They invented <laughs> some kind of like weird luge shoot. I know. Thing. Why isn't that a ride at Universal right? or who produced this movie? I don't know. Yeah, so they there's some kind of like weird like like skeleton shoot that they go down because they, so they're they're passing it all the drugs like through the chute so they can get out of the building fast. But then the criminals are also riding inside of the chute so they can get out of the building quickly. It just looked like a ton of fun. Like the most fun way to steal heroin. Yeah, I got to agree. Yeah. And maybe. Uh, oh God! Now you're gonna make me think of fun heist movies. The crew in uh, sneakers definitely has more fun. Sneakers? Yeah, if you've never seen Sneakers, ooh, uh, there's a lot of witty banner that All happens right. during the heists. Okay. Yeah. It's one where I can think where they've had a lot of fun. Anyways, I've got a giant nitpick from that scene. Okay. <laughs> Why take the time to loop the cameras of where the heroin's being held if you're just going to knock out the guard with drugs? I don't know. It's a, good, it's a very good question. It's usually, it's usually you loop the cameras because you aren't going to go anywhere near the guard. Exactly. You do it, yeah. So the guard has no idea you're even there. You're ghosts. Yep. But no, they loop the cameras and then sneak up and knock the guard out anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good question. A, Let's get Michael Bay on the phone. Weird detail in their plan. 
Next one I had. So Captain Sinclair, very small part. She was the uh, internal affairs investigator because, you know, something being stolen from inside of a police station. They're like, oh, it was an inside job, you know, that sort of thing. Her hair is awful. I know that's like a weird thing to say coming from a, a guy <laughs> that does not have long hair. She looks like she's like 1970s, like David Bowie. She's got like some weird hair happening because it like goes down and it's real close to her neck all the way down. And then it like frays out at her shoulders. I think that was a look in the 90s. I don't know. I think that was a thing. It was weird. If you're a hair aficionado, especially from the 90s, tweet at us at No Man Movies. Yeah. Tell if us if that was a, a hairstylist in the 90s. Yeah. So. <laughs> a demographic that we're definitely hitting. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I got some more. Next week's movie, Beauty Shop. <laughs> <laughs> I got some more uh, some more fun research I did. The Al Capone suite. Mm. It's a thing. There really is an Al Capone suite in Miami. Nice. It's at a, uh, I guess, a famous hotel, the, the, the Biltmore at Miami Coral Gables. Nice. And uh, Al Capone really had a suite there and threw parties there and during Prohibition and had secret compartments and a private elevator to get up to the suite and stuff like that. So Cool. Yeah. Nice. That's the thing. Michael Bay fell in love with Miami. When he, and he's been back to film a bunch of times. He really loves Miami. People that film in Miami or say they're filming in Miami, they, that kind of like, I don't know if it's like a sepia tone sort of to the, to the movie, but it, it kind of has that, always has that like, yellowness to it because I think you know they're trying to like it's sunny all the time kind of yeah. thing but it kind of gives it this this sort of chill vibe or something I don't know there's a vibe to there is a definite vibe to most of the movies filmed in Miami yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. my last nitpick that I have is Martin Lawrence's terrible line at the end of the movie to the bad guy where he says you forgot your boarding pass <laughs> and then blows him up it's just like oh god so bad it's like cringeworthy bad like that's the worst line i don't know if they were trying to make a reference back to the passenger 57 thing from the beginning of the movie i don't know it was bad it's like yeah i get there an airplane hangar i, I get it but it's just like ugh. that's a michael bay thing right to like slow everything down so a character can deliver a line before they finally <laughs> blow someone up i think it is. that's a michael bay thing right yeah, yeah. it's a really bad line well, I'm going to give Martin Lawrence a really good line. Good. It was my favorite joke in the whole movie. Ready? So when she's like looking at all the pictures of Will Smith and is like, are, are you gay? Because <laughs> like, that's what's going on here. And he's like. Well, wait, so wait, put it. Tell the whole context. So they're in Will Smith's apartment. So there's pictures of Will Smith yes, all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, Julie is asking like, why do you have pictures of this other man all over your apartment? Yeah. Right, right. He's yeah. pretending to be Mike Lowry in right. Mike Lowry's apartment. So he's trying to explain why there's pictures. He says it's a partner thing. She's like, are, are you gay? Like, is that what's going on here? And he's like trying to defend his manliness and stuff like right. that. And it's, it's a little cringeworthy. But right at the end of the scene, as he's like walking away from her, he says, uh, he says something like, something how the drapes get brought up. And he's like, if I was gay, I'd change the drapes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. That was my favorite joke. All right. Cool. 
I wish I sh- I should have wrote some stuff down that I that I laughed a lot at because I I didn't. But well, I can tell you one thing I didn't laugh at. Here's a nitpick. He has clearly been to Mike's apartment before. He's been he knows Chet the doorman, and he's like tripping over steps. Doesn't know where the light switches are. Yeah, they're always where you walk when you walk into a room. Look to the left or the right. And there's a light switch. Yeah, he doesn't know where the refrigerator is. I don't live in your house. I've visited it a bunch of times. I know where your refrigerator is. <laughs> I could go get a drink if I wanted to. Yeah. I could probably find a light switch pretty easy. Yeah. They strung that joke along a little too long. Yeah. Like it's You could do like a little bit here and there maybe, but yeah, but they really it went on for a little too long. All right. I'm going to run through the rest of my uh, quick picks here. How is she complaining about protective custody when she's the one that leaves the apartment? <laughs> she sneaks out of the apartment and then she goes, this is what you call protective custody? Right. You left the apartment. <laughs> you were safe. You're not supposed to let me leave. Why is his suburban house across from a motel, a seedy motel, <laughs> where bad guys are staked out? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, Just have him on the street. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, yeah, that's what this segment's for. The bad guys are the worst getaway drivers ever in the history of movies. Oh, yeah? Every time they try to get away from a scene, they are crashing constantly. They ran them down on foot to the point where Martin Lawrence could jump on the hood of their car. That's how many times they, like, Looney Tunes their car into somebody else. and like. That's true. That's true. I guess I guess we didn't, we didn't have any born identity driving in this movie did we when they pulled away from the condo they were driving and will smith was running all they had to do was just keep driving on streets and they were away but and they end up on a bridge driving down a guy on a bike <laughs> for no reason that that was that's bay yeah yeah that's michael bay here's a fun fact fun trivia fact will smith refused to do that scene shirtless oh yeah so that's why it's unbuttoned. Yeah, but he, on. he would do it in an unbuttoned dress shirt, but yeah. not shirtless. Hmm. I yeah. guess that makes sense. It might be like a little too far-fetched to just be like, why are you com- completely shirtless? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I do have one other. Would you go and party at Club Hell? <laughs> I think this is a perfect one to end on. <laughs> um, Club Hell, in case you haven't ooh. watched the movie, is kind of like a death metal mansion that meets strip club yeah that's fair yeah Yeah. they have a fish tank in the bathroom that's fun that is behind the bar yeah no uh (laughs) i don't think i would i think we'd walk in and be like this is not our scene right we we should not be here you're like this is like where like the vampires and the werewolves hang out or something. Ooh, there it is. We have a Blade Bad Boys crossover Ooh. where the vampires are hanging out in that club. Oh, yeah. Or like the worlds collide. Oh, we just solved it. Nice. And we can get Wesley Snipes back. Yes. We Perfect. just solved. Oh, okay. <laughs> we just solved our sequel problem. So what are you problem. up to? I don't know. I'm slaying some uh, werewolves. What are you up to? Uh, I don't know. Vampires. <laughs> not werewolves. Oh, he slays vampires. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's been a long time. <laughs> That or Club Hell is like you're at a friend's bachelor party in Vegas and like someone's like, we got to go to this club. And you're like, 
okay, we are not telling anybody <laughs> that we were here. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of infamous. You're like, all right, I guess we should go just to see what it's like. <laughs> but no one's telling the wives. <laughs> this didn't happen. That's like Vegas' whole thing, right? It stays in the bachelor party. <laughs> I've hit you with a ton of trivia. Do you want the lesson for the week? Yes, please provide it. I know you're dying to find out what I cooked up. <laughs> so in that heist, in the very beginning of the movie, to get into the actual cell where the heroin's being kept, they have to freeze a padlock off with a can and with an aerosol can and like tap it with a hammer and shatter it. Yeah. That's a thing. Just with an aerosol can? Yes. If you turn an aerosol can upside down right. and spray it's super it, cold. Yeah. It's super cold. And it will freeze a lock to the point where you can shatter it with a tap. Interesting. Now, I am not <laughs> condoning it, endorsing it, but I had to look it up. You can't do something like that in the movie and me not look it up. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's out there. I believed it was a thing. I just assumed you needed like full on like liquid nitrogen. Like you know, I feel like I feel like you needed like to like pour on like the coldest cold. I think it gets cold enough. Interesting. Yeah. I'm totally gonna try this. But not to break in anything. No. Just to try it. Yeah. Again, not condoning. <laughs> well, Darren, that does it for all the facts. All the quick picks, all the sequels, all the Rotten Tomatoes reviews, all the successes and failures. It's time for us to decide once and for all, bad boys, 1995, is it a good movie or is it a bad movie? I said that bad boys, OG bad boys, was a good movie. I I was very entertained by this movie. Again, I think it's just kind of like the expectations you go into it with. You know, if you're if you're looking for deep story and it's just you're just gonna be disappointed. This isn't gonna be like HBO's True Detective season one. No. Like, yeah. No, we're not gonna get deep into characters. There's not gonna be like huge psychological problems that people are going to be dealing with. It's just going to be like... There is a psychological problem with Mike Lowry's issues with killing people, but we'll just... <laughs> we won't get away from that. Well, yeah, anyways. <laughs> the movie doesn't take the time to address it, so we're right. not going to either. Right, right. If you go into this and you're like, I want to sit down and watch a fun action movie, and it's going to be funny because it has some comedians in it, there's going to be too much action because it's Michael Bay, then I think you're going to like this movie a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I said it was a good movie. I understand why it was so commercially successful. So I think, I don't know if we said it specifically, but it, I think it was about 19 or 20 budget and they did like 140 million in box office. So it was yeah, it did pretty crazy good. successful. It's on Netflix right now for free. Go ahead and look it up right now. You can watch it. Two hours of your life. Be entertained. I will agree. Good movie. It's, it comes down to Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Like, they're good. They are re- they're good in this, and they're good together. Martin Lawrence. If, if you can't take Martin Lawrence, then maybe you shouldn't watch this. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you, listeners. It can be a little heavy on the Martin Lawrence, and it's something they correct in Bad Boys Two. Mm-hmm. If it's too much Martin Lawrence for you, go watch Bad Boys Two, because it's way more Will Smith in that movie. They lean much heavier on him, and a little bit of Gabrielle Union. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling it's hard to tell with this third one because it's been so long since they've done one of these. And 
I'm going to be honest, Martin Lawrence looks a little out of shape. <laughs> Will Smith is still bringing it hard, but yeah, I, 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 I think that they could pull off a pretty funny movie and a pretty good movie here with this third one to the point where we might look back on these and go like the original bad boys might be the weakest of the three bad boys movies, but it's still good. Yeah. It's still good. It's still fun to see where it starts and some of the references and Joey Pantaleone is the chief, you know, where that all comes from the constant rivalry with the other Latino detectives, which we didn't even get into, which I think is a really funny part of the movie. The fact that they're always dogging on each other and yeah. they double down on it in the uh, sequel in Bad Boys 2. And it looks like in the Bad Boys for Life, they're going to do the same stuff, but now it's just going to be young detectives. It's not going to be the Latino guys versus the African-American guys. It's going to be the old guys versus the young guys. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a good movie. It's fun. It's ridiculous. Bay is ridiculous. <laughs> we didn't even have time to touch on Don Simpson and Jerry Brockheimer they're freaking ridiculous. Like, go read about <laughs> Dom Simpson. He sounds kind of like a huge Hollywood dirtbag. <laughs> and, like, one of the leaders in the cocaine party scene in the 80s. Yeah. And just a disaster. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, anyways, good movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up next week, we got another meh movie for you. And uh, it's going to be another ride. So, uh, The Gentleman is coming out in theaters next weekend. It's the latest Guy Ritchie movie. He's going back to British crime movies, which is Guy Ritchie's forte. Mm -hmm. So, we went back through the Guy Ritchie filmography and found 2008's Rock and Rolla, which scores a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, it is like it's the right at the top edge. Of our scale and a 7.3 on IMDb. It'll be interesting. Yeah. And uh, it is available on Vudu right now for free. So if you want to check it out, if you want to stay up to date with us and watch the movies along with us, check out Rock and Rolla on Vudu for next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for supporting the show. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. You can follow us on Twitter at No Meh Movies. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Thanks for supporting the show, everyone. And the next time your friends ask about a movie, take a stance and tell them if the movie is good or bad. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. I mean, we know it now in 2019 at 2020. Oh. <laughs>